Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. Live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on. Yes, I had to let that run ride. Hope you're having a good Tuesday morning. And these are always the interesting shows to me. The shows where you're a day removed from that NFC Championship game. And if you're a 49ers fan, that's what we're going to be talking about a majority of the time today is still that game and what to dissect from it. But not only that, the future for the 49ers. Now, we did have some players speak yesterday, still waiting to hear from Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. But I wonder what you want to want to hear from Kyle Shanahan. I think that's my biggest question today, is what sort of questions do you, as a fan, want answered from this season. So we'll be talking about the 49ers for a majority of the show. And one of my quarrels from that game, it was the Robbie Gold thing. And I know this isn't necessarily the same because I'm actually going to tie it back into the Warriors' win as they get the win 122-108 to against the Houston Rockets. But one of the things that got me was throughout this postseason for the NFL, for the 49ers, we've been seeing Robbie Gold warming up in the middle of their introductions, the opposing team's introductions. The Dallas Cowboys, when their cheerleaders were in the middle of the field, Robbie Gold was kicking field goals. When With Green Bay, as the team was doing their introductions, he's kicking field goals. As the team is doing their introductions in L.A., He's kicking field goals. And it is funny. It is funny to watch. You know, everything that's happening surrounding it, knowing that he just doesn't care, it's funny. But 
it does add fuel to the fire that's already burning for the other team. And that's exactly what happened last night with the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Because Kevin Porter Jr., young player for the Houston Rockets, he's pretty good. But he's not as good as Steph Curry. And there was a moment in that game where there was a loose ball foul, it was on Kevin Porter, and it was involving Steph. And Kevin Porter Jr. decides to stare Steph down, try to aggravate him, and then after that, would go on to talk trash for the rest of the game. Now, I like that. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I really do. I think trash talking needs to be way more involved. That's one of the more surprising things when... Uh, For the first time, whenever I sat closest to the court, you could tell that there's really not much trash talking going on. I was expecting to hear a lot more of the on-court chatter. But you could tell that Kevin Porter Jr. was getting into it. And how did Steph respond? Well, he had a 40-point night. He had nine assists. He had five rebounds. But it was the fourth quarter where he decided to go nuclear just take the game into his hands and understand, look, I'm the best player on the floor. I don't care if I'm in a shooting slump. I'm going to go off. 92-87 with 9-10 to go. Rockets trying to break a 10-game home losing streak. Curry off the dribble. Three ball good over Shangun, drifting to his right. Good decision. He's got 22. And I like the fact that Steve Kerr had kept him in the ball game despite what his normal rotation minutes have been within the fourth quarter. He doesn't normally play the uh, almost the entirety of the fourth quarter. He only took uh, the final minute and seven off. But other than that, Steph played the rest of it, and he was doing whatever he wanted. He was grabbing his own rebound. He, he took it to the other side, hit a pull-up three, was getting into the mid-range, hit a step-back mid-range, Hit another step back three off of a screen. Just doing it in a variety of ways. We've seen Steph go off before. And if you didn't manage to catch yesterday's game, go check it out. Because that fourth quarter for Steph was just as good of a fourth quarter as you'll see him have. But it was the trash talking that fueled him. It was everything from Kevin Porter Jr. that got to him after the game. I mean, here's what Curry had to say. This is he he acknowledged it after the game. It's a nice game within the game, and it's not the, not the first, not gonna be the last time. We always try to bring another level of. We always have it, but you definitely bring another level of competitiveness when fun stuff like that happens during the game. I take it all as entertainment, and sometimes you need a little. A little boost, so I never really play into it much. Obviously, I ain't saying nothing back, so just just hoop and have fun with it. No, it's not personal from Porter Jr. It was nothing of the sort. But it was trying to get into Steph's head. And I think that this was a lesson for Porter Jr., who hasn't played Steph that many times in his career. I think this is a lesson for him that says, hey, all right, I'll, tr- I'll try trash-talking you. But Steph was... Just ignoring him, paying him no mind, just just looking at the play, whatever was going to happen. He wasn't looking at Kevin Porter Jr. So I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you even 
Why are you even trying to add to whatever Steph's already going through here? Steph's already trying to break out of a slump. He already has that type of motivation. And I don't want to call it a slump, trying to break out of the shooting struggles. He doesn't need any more motivation than that. So why would you go trash talking him? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And then after the game, I mean, Steph mentioned that Kevin Porter had asked for advice. I mean, I can do a good job of separating the 48 minutes and everything else in terms of, quote, unquote, giving back to the game because I had a lot of people that did that for me. And he asked a solid question on how I approach a certain part of the game and want to give him what I knew. Like I said, he kind of passed the torch on to giving some of that wisdom off. But I had to wait till after the buzzer. <laughs> 13 of 23, 40 points overall, 7 of 14 from beyond the arc. He led the team in scoring by far. Andrew Wiggins actually had a, a pretty nice night. He had 23 points on 14 shots. And overall, I thought it was a very fun game. Before Steph just decided to go nuclear in the fourth quarter, uh, the Rockets were making it pretty interesting. And that first half was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because... The, the Rockets, they're this team that has a lot of young potential stars within this league. Christian Wood has actually been in the league for a little bit. He's a good player. I believe he was from, uh, I believe he started his career over in Detroit. Uh, but young Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Eric, Gar- Eric Gordon, who we all know. And then that young guy off the bench, Garrison Matthews, who was also talking a little trash and getting heated. It was starting to get chippy. It was just a fun game uh, against this team. It's not something that you'd expect from a team that's supposed to be tanking. I mean, they were... were they were playing terribly in the season until they started to go on a little win streak and started to find their rhythm. But overall, a very fun game. It was really back and forth. It was physical from time to time. Christian Wood in the first half was just trying to do everything for the Rockets. He was knocking down threes. He was taking those Carmelo Anthony-type long twos. He was trying to get to the foul line. He was trying to do everything, but ultimately... Uh, the Warriors' depth was too much for them. And the guys off the bench, although they didn't have great shooting nights, they started to play good defense uh, in the second half. Jordan Poole wasn't as aggressive as I thought he would be. I thought JTA was flying all over the court yesterday. Clay Thompson was cold. He did not have a good shooting night. He was 1 of 8 from the floor. But a name that I haven't mentioned yet, and a name that we really haven't said too much not only on this show, but I'll assume on this station, it's because he's been playing a majority of his time in the G League. But Moses Moody. Moses Moody, the other rookie besides Jonathan Kaminga, who we sometimes forget about. Moses Moody got his chance within the starting five because Otto Porter Jr. was resting for the front half of a back-to-back as the Warriors are in San Antonio tonight uh, with the Texas back-to-back. You had Andre Iguodala out, and instead of putting Jonathan Kaminga in the starting five, which might have been expected prior to this game, Steve Kerr decided to opt for Moses Moody and Right at the start, you can tell he seemed pretty comfortable. Thompson brings it front court to Moody. Moody back to Clay. Above the arc on the left side. Clay Thompson finds Moody. He's open for three. Above the arc, it's good. 
Moses Moody looking very relaxed out there. Buries a triple, and the Warriors have the first bucket of the night. Right from the jump, taking advantage of the double team for Steph, backing into the point where he can uh, shoot a smooth three-pointer. He's got a really smooth shot, Moses Moody does. But in his 25 minutes on the floor, he had he had 11 points. He was 4 of 7 overall. And the thing that's impressed me about both of these rookies is they haven't really looked overwhelmed. Last year, James Wiseman, maybe this was due to you know the training circumstances, the fact that he was out due to COVID nineteen for a little bit, didn't play for his time with Memphis, had that had that whole situation. But there were times on the court, and maybe this is just because he was thrusted into the starting five against the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets to open the season. But there were times on the court where he looked pretty overwhelmed. You know, whether it was trying to rebound the basketball and get physical with the other bigs on the floor when he was playing against the teams within the Western Conference who have very good players, uh, at least in the front court and in the back court too. But Moody looked good. Moody looked good. He plays smooth. And he's just patient. And Steve Kerr talked about it after the game and, and talked about how Moses Moody responded to being put into the starting five. Moody was great. He just knows how to play. He's tough. He's physical. He's got long arms, good defender. You know, he understands angles, understands verticality. And he's an excellent shooter. So, you know, I think he knocked down three threes tonight. He spaces the floor. He knows when to shoot. Just he, he knows how to play. He's done such a great job all season of competing day in and day out in practice in Santa Cruz, in scrimmages, in, you know, the final two minutes when we put him in to a game that's in hand. He's just consistent with his effort and his approach. So he's wise beyond his years and a very talented player. So really, really excited about Moses. So Moses had a good game. Jonathan Kaminga did not in his 11 minutes off the bench. He had three fouls with three points and a couple of rebounds. Just to be honest, did not look all that motivated in that game yesterday. He kind of it kind of felt like he knew. All right, this is going to be Moody's time here. I'm going to take a back seat a little bit now. I know it's not within Jonathan Kaminga to just you know have a lackluster type of effort because he was putting it on the defensive end. I mean, he did get that steal on that double team on the trap, but at least on the offensive end, did it look like he was trying to be as aggressive as he normally would be in his 11 minutes on the floor. But that's not to say anything for how it's going to go. Everything could be completely different tonight. I'll assume that with Draymond out, that Otto Porter Jr. is going to be back into that starting five. And I haven't even mentioned Kevon Looney and what he's been doing as really the lone big man on that team last night. Nemanja Bialica didn't play either. And as the lone big man, he picked up his 14 rebounds, five of which were offensive, which led to a couple of three-pointers. He had he only had seven points on three of six shooting, but that's fine. That's fine for Kavon. But it was Steph in the fourth quarter who decided to go crazy because Kevin Porter Jr. tried to talk some trash to him in the Warriors' win, 122-108. to All right. Coming up next, want to get some 49er football here. Want to play some sound from the players and their last pressers of the season. Got some Peter King sound to play as well as I think the the sting of the NFC Championship still hasn't really worn off for Bay Area fans. So 888 957 
That's the Comcast Business text line or the phone number if you want to weigh in. How are you feeling? How are you feeling as a 49er fan a day after they have lost the NFC Championship? Do you feel like there was more to be desired? Or are you just happy with how the season went, considering the expectations from when they were 3-5? and five? How are you feeling this morning at 888-957-9570? Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Nobody move. There's blood on the floor. All right, I had to wait for one more, one more bar. That's my bad. That's my bad. I timed it poorly. I timed it poorly. Stephen Langford in. Good morning, everyone. 49er fans, I want to know from you, as we talked about the Warriors in that first segment, I don't think that the sting from the NFC Championship has worn off for 49er fans just yet. Has it for you? That's what I'm curious about this morning. These shows are always interesting because, in the end, your team made it to the conference championship. I know it's, you know, I I, I know it's a tough pill to swallow, but when you really think about it and think about the amount of other fan bases that are watching your team while theirs are all on vacation and they're catching up with their players on Instagram and what they're doing with their families, worried about whether your quarterback is retiring or not, maybe celebrating a retirement from one of your quarterbacks. Shout out to the Bucks and the Steelers fans. And there's a lot to look at from this season and I think to be proud of, but... I don't know if the sting's worn off, and I, and I want to know from you. That's what I'm trying to figure out here today. Has the sting worn off, or are you feeling relieved? Like, for example, from Oreo Cookie in Oakland at the Comcast Business text line, I feel relieved. Too many slow starts, too many close games with no margin for error. Next year, we're blowing teams out. Lance will make us dance. That's from Oreo Cookie. Are you feeling like Oreo Cookie this morning? Or are you still are you still just shocked as to what happened on Sunday night? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Before I get to some of the sound from yesterday's final pressers of the season from the players, I got stuff from Debo, Kittle, Trey Lance, 
And then I also got some sound from Peter King as well, uh, from Damon and Ratto that I want to get to. But we got Ronnie on I-80, who was kind enough to join us at 888-957-9570. What's going on, Ronnie? How we doing, man? Doing all right. Well, you did a segment about three weeks ago, and uh, mark it down. I called in, and I told you, Jimmy would end our season with a stupid interception. And sure enough, that's what happened. Very proud of my team. Very proud of all my boys and what they did out there getting the NFC Championship. But it's time to move on and it's time to take the next step, getting into that Super Bowl and winning in it. I appreciate the phone call, Ronnie. And and I think what Ronnie expected, I'm not going to lie to you, I expected it too. It's just toward, at least when I was watching that game in that final drive when there was, you know, less than two minutes left on the clock, a minute 50 or whatever it was, and the 49ers had a chance to uh, get back into the game, possibly tie it or even get a touchdown in order to win it. I remember thinking at the time, just, I, I, I don't see this drive going so well. Not after everything that's happened in the game. Not after the tart dropped interception. Not after the Jimmy Ward unnecessary roughness penalty following that dropped interception that led to what was damn near a 50-yard play. Really, it was 45. But after all of that, the third, the, the, the sequence, the whole possession, the second and one, the third and two, the challenge by Sean McVay that failed and they ran out of timeouts. And then the fourth and two when you go to punt it. It just didn't feel like... That was the first time, really, for a majority of the season, at least after uh, after week eight uh, against the Cardinals. Or rather, that was week nine because the bye had already hit. But you know what I mean. It just felt like the 49ers had lost their... had Had just ran out of gas. That's what it felt like. And then it ended with the offensive line just giving up a ton of pressure that we haven't really seen that we didn't really see all game. The offensive line did just fine doing their part, but it was those final two drives where you could tell they were starting to tire out and the guys uh, the likes of Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and uh, Von Miller, they were starting to take advantage of it because those guys are absolute machines and you got to stick with them for all cor- four quarters. Uh, same thing with Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa, by the way, said something yesterday that I want to get to as well. But it just didn't feel like it was in the cards with that amount of time left. I didn't have a ton of confidence. And look, I don't believe that Garoppolo is the quarterback of the future anyway. You know, there was a sound I was playing earlier in the week from Mike Garofolo of NFL Network who had reported earlier this season about how... They're going with Trey Lance in 2022. Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is more than likely going to be traded elsewhere, barring a Super Bowl run. But even if that Super Bowl run would have happened, I would have had some question marks because it, I, it just didn't feel like it felt like Jimmy's time was up with this team. And that entire, that that whole game for him, 
there was just so much. It felt like there was a lot of pressure on him because this was possibly going to be his last game with the 49ers. And hell, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, I understand the taxes and everything, but if you're making the money that he's making, living in California is pretty nice. You know, everyone's saying, you know, you can go to Pittsburgh, go wherever you want. Doesn't have the weather like it does over here in California. But it just didn't feel like Garoppolo was going to be a part of this 49ers future, not considering what you had mortgaged in order to get Trey Lance. And the entire week, as I'm seeing just nonstop win-loss record, win-loss record, he wins, he wins, he wins, he wins, he wins. That's when I knew, okay, you really can't find anything good that this dude does. Uh, everyone was giving me the you know average yards per uh, yards per attempt, and it was just the it was just the regular average yards. But I can't take those seriously when there's a lot of yards after the catch. Sixty one percent of his yards that he had in this last game were yards after the catch, and and, and it's not on him. Totally. I mean, he's got he's got guys who have that ability to get those yards after the catch. So why not take advantage of it as opposed to, you know, trying to throw outside the numbers, maybe extending a play and forcing something that isn't there instead going for the short, simple, easy option, which is get the ball to Debo Samuel's hands and let him work. I understand all that, but they need to move on to the next level, which is. Why, like those guys in the AFC, that next level is, you know, the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomeses, the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts. Uh, uh, they had Ryan Tannehill. I'm not going to throw Ryan Tannehill into that tier. But those guys are all in the AFC. In the NFC, you have a, you have a solid head start on a young, up-and-coming quarterback that you can develop. And, and, and going into next season, just having him sit for another year, hell, there's a possibility that, you know, Justin Fields with a new head coach, all of a sudden for the Bears, just turns into a completely different quarterback. And all of a sudden he has another year of development under his belt, maybe even a playoff opportunity. Who knows with the Bears? I'm not saying the Bears are going to make the playoffs next season. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But you do run that risk. And to me, it's just you got to get this thing going because you're in a good spot right now. You're in a very good spot. And I understand where the players were coming from as far as trying to back Jimmy up because, you know, Jimmy is a good guy overall. No one's ever questioned the type of person that he is, except for that one date that he went on a few years ago. People were starting to question who he was then, but he's never been a bad teammate. Always tried to fight for his job, but it is time to move on. It is time to move on from that. And, like, for example, listen to George Kittle talking about it yesterday when he was asked if he took a moment uh, to talk with Jimmy just about how things have gone so far uh, this season and just how it ended. Yes and no. Like I said, I wasn't I'm immediately following that, and you're on the buses for a while, and you're waiting to get on an airplane. Like, you spend a lot of time talking with all the guys, and... It's more of a not really wanting to think too far into the future because of all the unknowns. And, you know, I'm not going to spend the, my last 
whatever it is, two, three hours with this team because of how different it's probably going to be next year. I'm not going to spend it just thinking about what's going to happen. And I just kind of spent all last night just enjoying what did and enjoying those last couple hours I had with that team because uh, it will be very different coming up. And, and you can tell, George Kittle, there's some sadness there, not only because they just lost the NFC Championship, because I think Jimmy Garoppolo's turned into one of his uh, better friends within the NFL, outside of people within the tight end position. But it is time to move on. It is time to move on. From the uh, from the text line, from the Comcast business text line at 888-957-9570, from the 415, I'm ready to see bombs from Trey. Sick of seeing the dink and dunks. From the 415, also a different number, football is the ultimate team game, and Jimmy is not the main reason the Niners have been winning. That's a... I mean, I know we're not supposed to tell players, hey, you shouldn't think that way, and I'm not trying to tell Debo how he should have thought, but when he tweeted out that Jimmy, look at Jimmy's win percentage, you know, I started looking at a bunch of different winning percentages. I looked at Debo's win percentage when he had five or more carries. And prior to that last game, they were 9-1 and one when Debo had five or more carries. I think moving him to running back changed everything for this team. That and getting Jeff Wilson back, too. I think it changed everything for the run game and made it much more easy for Jimmy Garoppolo to go out there and, run the, and, and keep the offense going and just not mess up, really. That's what, that's what Jimmy's job was. But the win percentage thing, I didn't buy it. The win-loss thing. I mean, if you looked at it prior to last game, Trent Williams as a starter with the 49ers, 16-15. and 15. Doesn't make him a bad offensive lineman. As a matter of fact, he's a Hall of Fame caliber offensive lineman. But you don't look at the win-loss percentage there, and I understand the quarterback is the leader of the team and it's a completely different position, but win-loss, ma- win-loss records don't matter. And with Jimmy, in his career... Whenever say I, I, I shout out to Logan Webb. I love Logan Webb, but he's been arguing on behalf of Jimmy a lot on social media for these past couple of days, and he's saying no matter where he's gone, he's been a winner. And I've heard that a lot from a lot of different people. Sorry to single out Logan Webb, but I don't know why I'm doing that. I guess it's just the one that popped into mind. But that win loss record, he was doing it when he was with a very stable organization in the New England Patriots who knew what they were about. Now, the Niners weren't a stable organization when he got here, but Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch at least had a direction in which they were headed, and there was some stability as his time with the 49ers went on. There, 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 wasn't, there weren't many changes within, within the front office, within coaching. There weren't many changes when Jimmy Garoppolo was a starting quarterback. So I could argue that these two teams that he's been on in the situations, that's just as good as it can be for a quarterback. That's just as good. Hasn't faced as much adversity, at least from that standpoint. I mean, of course, the injuries and everything surrounding that, you know, the Trey Lance thing. Of course, I'm not saying he hasn't faced any adversity at all. Every football player faces adversity in their time. But as far as the organizations that he's played for, pretty stable. 
pretty stable so far in his career. I'd be very interested to see what happens next for him. Uh, I'm not sure what the trade stock will be. I've had that. We've had that talk before. You know, what's his trade value? All that stuff. In reality, I just want to react to it. I'm kind of done guessing at this point until we get that one report that says, "Oh, we're here, and that he could be traded for a third rounder." Blah blah blah, and then we could talk about whether it's worth it or not. But coming up next, keeping on the quarterback. Zucci Main, hey, nice guy. Everywhere Jimmy has gone, he's a winner. There, I will take the shout out. <laughs> All right, Zucci Main at the Comcast Business Text Line. But coming up next, I want to get to this sound from Peter King on Damon and Ratto, and then a little more from the players as well. Uh, but Peter King said that there was a specific play in that game that showed Kyle Shanahan's lack of trust with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I agree. But I think there was more than just one play in that game uh, that showed Kyle Shanahan's lack of trust with his quarterback. We'll get to that next. Stephen Langford and on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you as I (laughs) stepped out of the studio during the break and I kept my mask on. Mask off. Shout out to Future. F it. Mask off. Although the mask will be back on as soon as I'm off the air. Still want to talk about the 49ers, though. I think that's still looming large over everyone's heads. The Warriors got that win 122-108. to A very entertaining game to watch yesterday. And the Rockets were keeping themselves in it. They were knocking down open threes. Garrison Matthews was knocking them down. But then Kevin Porter Jr. decided to talk some trash to Stephen Curry. Then Steph would blow up with 21 points in the fourth quarter, scoring 40 overall. So if you needed something to get him some motivation Shout out to you, Kevin Porter Jr. You might have saved Steph Curry and uh, taken him out of his shooting struggles, at least for the night. But they are back against the San Antonio Spurs. Now, I want to get to some sound here from Peter King talking about Shanahan and his trust in Jimmy Garoppolo. And I still want to react to some of the post-game from Shanahan and Garoppolo because there was a sound clip that really got to me, and it's a change that... I think that we need to see in the 49ers next season, at least when we talk about the power uh, within the on-field decision. So I do want to get to that. But we got Eric in Oakland, who's a diehard 49er fan, who's been calling into this show for a very long time, calling into this station for a very long time. And I always love to get his thoughts on the 49ers. So Eric in Oakland, what's going on, man? Good morning. Thanks for... uh setting up this rehab session for all you 49ers fans. <laughs> it's been rough uh, since Sunday. We appreciate you doing this for us. You know, I have to say this has been like a Cinderella season for us. Uh, we, we had uh, two major injuries that we just couldn't get over, and that's Barrett and, and Mostert. That's a lockdown corner and, and super speed at the running back position that we missed dearly. Um, we didn't lose this game because of the fact that we were bad. We just ran out of bullets. We ran out of energy. If you think about it, going into the playoffs, our running game wasn't good. We weren't clicking on all cylinders like we usually have, or even in that 
2019 run where we were just running like crazy. We, we didn't have that juice. Mitchell was hurt. He wasn't hitting the holes right. We were essentially using Debo in a position that's not his because he's that athletic. Um, I really feel like you know, this offseason is going to be huge depending on who we bring back or what it is we do. Um, I, I, I hope Lance turns out to be what I think he's going to turn out to be. I still feel like the front office has to do a better job of evaluating talent when it comes to the draft. Our second-round pick we didn't use. Our third-round pick barely. I mean, Sermon and, and Banks, they, they contributed nothing. That's a good point. Team. Uh, we got some you know, we got some contributions from Lance, and that's due to in- injuries and, and some trick, you know, gadget plays that he scored on and such. But with a team that's this thin and with salary cap, you, you know, your early round picks have to hit, have to hit. And there's several holes on this team. And I just want to tell Fortnite Faithful out there, look, man, we could be upset all we want. Let's not throw everything on Jimmy. Jimmy is what we thought he was. He's good sometimes. He's bad sometimes. He's just enough, you know, to win or enough to lose. Um, the guy put his heart out there for us. He brought us out of the darkness, man. Where were we before Jimmy? You know, he gave us five games uh, that first season after he was traded, and we were excited. You know, he gave us excitement. So let's not all come down hard on Jimmy. The guy is awesome. Wish him good luck wherever he goes. Hopefully we recoup some of that your draft capital and uh, keep it going, guys. You know what? It's going to be better. It's going to be better. The more days pass, the better we are. And uh, let's just look forward to the draft and, and see what happens. Man, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you, Eric. Thanks so much for calling in. And if you want to weigh in with your thoughts on the Niner season, just in general, are are you still trying to get over the sting of the NFC Championship two days later, or are you looking back on this season more in just astonishment, kind of shock that they got to that point? I still am. I'm still shocked. It was a great run. I mean, they were when they were three and five and losing to Colt McCoy. How many of you really thought NFC Championship, baby? Here we come. How many of you really thought that? I don't think a lot. I don't think a lot. Now, some moves do need to be made, and I, and I do believe this is the end of the Garoppolo era. Like that's what's interesting about football teams in general. You could split it into two ways when you're talking about. The quarterback, the coaches, and the GM. You compare the coach and the GM together, you consider that the regime, right? Or you could consider it the era, whatever you want. But I'm trying to go with two different two different terms here. But you still are within the Shanahan-Lynch regime. The Garoppolo era is over, but you still have a coach and a GM who appear to be, you know, they may disagree at times. I mean, it took John Lynch, you know, it took him some convincing to get Jimmy to to convince Kyle Shanahan to take Jimmy Garoppolo from New England and say, hey, we could use this guy. I think he'd work really well within your offense. Sure, there were some disagreements there, and I'm not in the draft room. I don't know what goes on there. But it's a good place to be, as opposed to within other NFC teams where there are question marks. You know, the the common thing about these teams that need new coaches is a lot of them were in the NFC, you know, barring the barring the Dolphins and the Raiders, but the Saints, the Bears at one point, the Vikings are still looking. I mean, the Packers their head coach is still there. 
But if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, that's going to take a lot to come back. So the position that the 49ers are in, it seems like the biggest contenders are within the NFC West, all of them. The Cardinals, they seem to be in a really good place. I actually think there's going to be much improvement from this season to next. And if DeAndre Hopkins stays healthy, who knows? That dude is vital for their team. And I think it's the last you know, I think it's the last year on his contract for them. So it's going to be a crucial year next season for the Cardinals. The Seahawks, I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. It seems all quiet on the Wilson front. The Rams, after this season, who knows? They're going to have a lot of their star players, but there's going to be a lot of money that's involved with retaining their guys. So all that being said, I think you should feel good about this season and feel good for what's coming up in the future. But we could still look at that last game and admit there were some holes in that game that could still bother us. That could still bother us. Now, this is the one that got me. It was that entire sequence. You start out first and ten. You get Elijah Mitchell, his longest run of the game, a nine-yard run, making it second and one. Then you decide to run it again. And instead of getting any positive yardage, get stuffed like he had been a majority of the game. And then it's third and two. And then on third and two... You're using Trent Williams, who's motioning across the line of scrimmage. And when you are leading an offensive lineman like that, Trent Williams thinks it's going to be, uh, he said, you're probably going to see that a lot more in the NFL. I don't know how many more athletes are like that, that they can move the way that Trent Williams does. But you move him across the line of scrimmage, and you use him essentially as a decoy, and you run it with Kyle Juszczyk instead of using a guy like Debo Samuel, who was on the sideline in that moment. And then you had the fourth and two. The fourth and two where they ended up in a delay of game, move it back to fourth and seven, and give Mish Wisnowski a little more room to punt. And Peter King said this after the game by not going for it on fourth and two. He says that showed Kyle Shanahan's lack of trust in Jimmy. You can say whatever you want about how macho you want to be and how much, oh, I believe in this player or that player, but... I thought by not going for it, Kyle Shanahan was saying something about how he feels about his team. That, his quarterback, you know, I think. Yeah, like I don't have Josh Allen, who when pressed to the wall can bowl over three people and will find a way to get the yardage. I just don't think he thought he had that. It's not only that, but it's that second and one play. It's that second and one play where you decide you're not going to pass the ball when you are in a passing situation. Look, your running back did something he hadn't done that Debo Samuel didn't do that entire game, which was run the football more than five yards. Hadn't happened. Elijah Mitchell gets a nine-yard gain, and instead of giving him a playoff on second and one, you decide to run with it again. That, that's the ultimate time to me. You saw that with the Rams. You saw that with the Rams. I believe it was third and one, or was it was it second and one or third and one, where Matt Stafford takes a deep shot. And so it's not just not going for it. That's what that shows he doesn't have any trust in his quarterback. But we've been seeing this all season. We've been seeing this all season. Whether it's his clock management, whether it's his style of play, 
everything has shown that Shanahan doesn't have much trust in Jimmy and his abilities. He has trust in his he has trust in his game planning, in his X's and O's. He has trusts in the plays, but not necessarily in the quarterback who is trying to execute those plays. And then there was this after the game. This is something to me that needed to change. Something that absolutely needs to change next season. I don't want to hear this from Trey Lance after a game when we're in another situation where there's a possibility he doesn't go for it on fourth down. Now, if Trey Lance is in the game next season and they're in a fourth and short and they're in opposing territory or at least past the 50-yard line, then I do see them going for it a lot more next year. But this is something that got me after the game. Shanahan, this is what he said. He said he never even considered going for it on fourth down. You've heard this sound soundbite before, but listen to it again. Yeah, we were never thinking about going for that. We were just, that was, um, you know, they thought the game was exactly the game we wanted up to the to that second and one. The second and one, uh, thinking about that for a long time. And then the third and two, that next play. And we were just trying to draw them off. We knew we were going to punt. We were going to go for it there at midfield on fourth and two. Uh, and then the play right after that, just the chance to get the pick. It was those three plays in a row that we had our opportunities. And we didn't come through on those three plays. And after that, it kind of changed into a game we didn't like as much. Okay, so never even considered it. And then Garoppolo said this after when he was asked about that fourth down. My father, what did you think about the fourth and two decision to punt? Yeah, they uh, they had a couple new things, new uh, new tweaks in the in the run game. Uh, coverages were a little different too, but I mean, when you play a team for the third time, you got to expect something like that, and it, it worked pretty well for him. What was the second part? The decision to punt on fourth and two. How do you feel about that? Uh, that's that's not my decision to make. You know, whatever whatever Kyle decides, it's, it's his, his choice. So I, I really go back and forth here with this one. I do, because I don't know if it's just Jimmy Garoppolo not speaking up. Because you could tell, like, Garoppolo doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything at the podium. So when he just says, ah, whatever Kyle decides, uh, that's what we go with. I'm just going to read between the lines. That means that Garoppolo was not okay with punting it. On fourth down, that's just that's just what I'm going to assume, and, and, and I don't know if that's on Shanahan and just the power that he has, but it can't be that way with your starting quarterback. It needs to be different with Trey Lance going forward. It can't just be yeah, the head coach makes the decision, doesn't get any player input. It's not to say you need to be like John Harbaugh where you just talk to the player and ask, hey, do you want to go for it? And every time the players say yes, because that's what the players are going to say. But at least let there be a conversation. And I'm not trying to tell Kyle Shanahan how to coach, even though it sounds like I am. I mean, I'm just a just a host at 5 a.m. But it got to me hearing that after the game. It got to me. And I and, and if you're if you're expecting Trey Lance to be that franchise quarterback, you can't have that type of situation go that way. That's just that's just where I'm at. And you're, look, I'm going to sound like a total broken record with this, and I'm totally fine with it because I'm always, you know, there there's times when I'm getting new listeners, and people may not hear what I have to say overall on the 49ers and where they stand in their future. But where I'm at in the NFC, I think you're feeling pretty good. I think you're feeling pretty good with how teams are being built, 
going forward? Because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of stability within the NFC. There, it's there with the with Arizona. I don't know how long the Rams have until things start to implode because eventually trading away all those draft picks is going to backfire on you and all that money that you've been spending. But Green Bay, they lose out on Aaron Rodgers and they get him to the AFC. Jordan Love ain't going to do anything for you. Hell, there's actually still a possibility that they even involved the Niners in a trade and somehow managed to get Garoppolo to Green Bay. There's still that opportunity, and that's not even saying that you trade Aaron Rodgers away to the, to the 49ers. I'm just saying there's still a way that Garoppolo could go to the Packers. The Buccaneers, they don't even know if Tom Brady's going to be there next season. You got the Cowboys, and as long as Mike McCarthy's still there, you're good. But the Eagles, still trying to find their way. Saints, Still don't have a head coach. Don't know what to expect from them. The Vikings, again, still don't have a head coach. Washington, they actually got some pretty good. They they got some good pieces, and if their defensive line plays up to their potential, I think you could see a jump from them next year. Seahawks, not really sure what's going on with them. Falcons, eh. Bears, they got a new head coach in Eberflus, but I don't know where it's going to go with that. Who knows what's going to happen with him and the new GM Ryan Poles? The Panthers doesn't seem like they're going anywhere fast. They've made all the wrong moves. And unfortunately, even though Christian McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the league, dude can't stay healthy, if not the best running back in the league. And speaking of teams with good running backs, you got the New York Giants, who just hired on Brian Dable as their head coach. And they're expecting him to make some magic with Daniel Jones. And then you got the Lions. So within the NFC, and you compare that to teams like the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. The Patriots still have Bill Belichick, and you got another year of experience for Mac Jones. The Colts, the Chargers, the Ravens still have Lamar Jackson. Like you have some premium players in that AFC in the AFC, at least from the quarterback standpoint. Not so much within the NFC. Not just so not so much within the NFC from the six five zero. So you couldn't just so you just couldn't wait till the Niners lost so you can talk your smack about Garoppolo like you've been doing all season long. No, but I've been waiting until the one argument that I can't stand, which is he wins games, stops happening. Stops happening because the entire the the majority of that last half the the last half of the season the 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 last whatever it was six weeks. A lot of that was just Debo. Debo moving him to running back. I don't think he was giving himself enough credit. I don't think people were giving him enough credit, even though they're calling him a pro bowler and already saying he should he should get that contract, saying that he's you know the best 49ers wide receiver they've drafted in however long and all this stuff, but they weren't saying that he's helped win them games. So that's the issue that I had. That's the issue that I had, and I think the 49ers are in a good spot moving forward. And Garoppolo, I don't know if he's that good. I just don't know. I do not know. All right, let's get to the calls here before we get to Bonte and Shasky in the morning roast at triple A nine five seven nine five seven zero. What's your name? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Matt in the city. Matt in the city. All right, Matt, what you got? So. First off, the, the fourth the fourth down call, while I would have loved to see him go for it, there, there's nothing Jimmy showed us in that game that says that that was the smart option. I get 
why you don't go for that because defense was holding them all day and Jimmy just couldn't get anything going. And if Jabonky Tart makes that interception, it ends up being the smart call, putting it on the defense, and we're heading to the Super Bowl. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.